Hey, my name is Ayo and this is Chillology, a podcast where I talk about how we think about God in a way that is meant to create a safe place for questions and a hopeful space for growth. Today I have one of my best friends, Wes Guiti, with me as we discuss what it looks like to apply our theology, our belief, or our Christianity to our lives today. How should we practice our Christianity in the year 2018 or soon to be 2019? Let's dive in. Well, Wes, so we had episode one, and a lot of people liked it, and I'm really happy that they did. A lot of people feel that they were helped. A lot of people found out that they're theologians. Now, here's the thing. What are they supposed to do with that information now when they go to work, when they go to their homes, their jobs, whatever the case may be, school even? Uh, what do they do with that information? What do you think, was? Uh, I want to first thank you for having me on the second episode of Chillology. I'm super honored and thrilled to be a part of this living legacy that you are bestowing upon us. So thank you for that. Shout out to you. Thank you for joining me. Yes, for sure. So that is a heavy loaded question. And my first response is to live unapologetically Christian. What does that mean? What does it mean to live unapologetically Christian? Um, I guess that kind of just takes us straight to our first question, right? Which is, what do you think it even means to be a Christian today? As I think about the answer to this question, I also think about my own personal growth and my relationship with Christ. And And I know for a fact that you are less ashamed and more unapologetic when you know the truth and when you know the weight behind his word also. So the weight behind God's word. Um, so it's kind of like what we learned in the first episode, right? We've got to learn what the Bible means, understand it accurately. That way we live it, as you say, unapologetically, because that's what helps us to understand what it means to be a Christian. So a great deal of living your life unapologetically is knowing the truth and not compromising the truth for the sake of peace. And this for me is an everyday struggle and it would be absolutely impossible if I weren't so confident in the truth and in the weight that that word has in my heart. So if I'm living unapologetically every single day, um, basically, I'm just being a Christian. Does that mean that... I have to be mean because sometimes people uh, will tell me how they feel uncomfortable. Sometimes people who believe different things will come up to me and ask me not to say certain things. How do I respond to that? I think that's a great question. So let me bring it back to you. What would you consider to be mean? I think being mean is to invalidate someone else's emotion to decide that because they don't believe what we believe is true, um, that their feelings, their ideas, the way that they live is any less important than our life. Um, And to make people feel that, to make people feel that we think they are less than us. Because when it comes to God, we want people to respect him. We want people to respect our beliefs, right? But if someone else has a different lifestyle, um, we're really quick to disrespect it. I would agree. One of the last things you want to do is to make someone feel like they are not validated. 
everyone has dignity and it's a very sensitive thing and we want to be very mindful of someone's thought process and their dignity. You never want to embarrass them or make them feel less than ever. You're not being a good example of Christ in that regard. I think about a particular story during my spring break about 12 years ago when I was in college and we took a bus ride from Rochester, New York, all the way down to Panama City. I was very determined to get my spring break on. On the beach, I'm relaxing and I'm taking in the sun and a young woman approaches me. And in so many words, I was very indignant towards her. She approached me and asked me if I wanted to hear about the gospel. If I had known anything about this particular man named Jesus. And I wasn't rude, but I brushed her off and I said, no, I'm not interested. No, thank you. And going back to your example of making someone feel like they're not validated or not highlighting their dignity. I try to imagine if her response was a negative one. If she took me brushing her off and she didn't validate my disagreeing with her. What would have been my impression of not only her and her approach towards the gospel, but what would be my impression of the church and Jesus Christ? It would not be a positive one whatsoever. And I think in regards to your story, um, not only would it have affected her negatively or her witness, uh, which means the way that you talk to people about Jesus, but it would have actually affected you negatively in the long run because inevitably you would become a Christian like you are today. And when you did, you'd have realized that someone who represented Christ wasn't doing it well and actually probably harmed a lot of other people that day at that beach. And it might have actually bothered your heart, um, hardened your heart towards God or towards uh, Christianity, reading the Bible, whatever the case may be. It would make it a lot harder for you to be a Christian today. Oh, I would agree 100%. And I, I thank God, I thank him that that is not the case. When I brushed her off, she never mumbled or grumbled. And she said, you know what? I understand. Maybe next time. And that was the end of it. There was no Bible thumping. There was no conviction on her part. She didn't call me a sinner to my face and said, well, you know, you need this, right? We know exactly why you're in Panama City for spring break. There was, none, there was none of that. There was no judgment whatsoever. And that left a huge effect on me to this very day, 12 years later. Wow. So what I'm hearing is that being a Christian means representing Christ well with your life, which means you're honoring your beliefs. But all the while, you're also respecting and loving people who think differently. I love how you put that. It sounds to me like we're, we're coming to the conclusion that it's really a balance. And that is a balance that we cannot do on our own. Absolutely not. We need the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. We need the Word. Absolutely. And we need to have the conviction that what we're doing is right and wrong. I love that. Because the only way to make healthy decisions for our Christian life is by going to the Word to ensure that we have an understanding of what God's plan for our world is in the first place. In Revelation 21, verses 1-27, to it says... Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. That's incredibly amazing. Here's why. It's a lot of words to say. God is planning not to get rid of the world, not to destroy everything, not to be mad at us forever. But instead, he is constantly planning a way to redeem, to renew, to give new value to this world, to the world that we live in. And so the Bible calls it a new heaven and a new earth because heaven and earth will collide once again like it was in the beginning and God's original intent to live with us, to be with us, to constantly be in communion with us face to face is what he's working toward. And how reassuring is that? This is why I, going back to your original question, this is why you have to unapologetically stand for what you stand for as a Christian. It all makes sense. It does. And I think what changes um, our perspective is knowing that the point of all this is not for us to rush off and die so we can get to heaven. But the point is to actually be with God here on earth, constantly working towards the goal of redeeming this earth. And the way that that works is by living our life the way that Jesus showed us to live, right? And that goes to what you're saying about living an unapologetic life, but doing it in a way that's unapologetically loving, unapologetically kind, but living by the unapologetic truth altogether. And that takes a balance. So let's take a look at that loving and that kindness that you were just talking about. It's part of our responsibility to win arguments. I'm a firm believer that you cannot save yourself. We just simply don't have the power to do so. We are relentlessly in his will and we are powerless against it. In that same vein, what responsibility do we have when spreading the gospel? Are we supposed to win arguments? Um, Man, that's a hard question for me to ask because I will be someone that if you get to know me a little bit, you think I'd like to argue. But that's not the case. I, I like to get to the bottom of things. It's the way I like to say it, right? Um, and sometimes to get to the bottom of a thing, we've got to talk through some things. They may feel defensive. They may be tough. Um, but I think that what you're specifically saying is, are we here to argue with people, to like batter their minds with the truth, to force the truth down people's throat? Um, and I think the quick answer to that is no. Um a pastor at a Christ Tabernacle named Michael Durso um, said one time, it is not a fruit of the spirit to be right. It's a fruit of the spirit to be kind. And it's absolutely true. It's absolutely hard <laughs> because often when you find yourself right, you like to kind of lord it over other people. You like to remind other people that they're wrong. Um, it's why often you won't hear me say right and wrong. Yet you'll hear me say healthy and unhealthy. Because what I'm trying to point to you is not this power of rightness, but this idea that having a proper understanding of something brings health to your life. And an improper understanding makes your life unhealthy. There is a huge fundamental difference between being right and being kind. And I thank you for that clarification yeah i think 
that often our issue is that we're kind of running toward conversations with an end goal in mind before even talking to a person. The problem with that is this person has been alive for however many years already without you being in their life with maybe some experiences of church and God with maybe none. And it's really hard for you to just kind of come in guns blazing, you know, oh, Romans, ah, Ephesians, ah, but God. And it's nice, I guess, you know, you know a lot of things about the Bible and and it's definitely important to know your word. But it's also important to know how to carry yourself with the word. And I think that we see Jesus do it often, um, balance his life in a way where he's constantly entering the lives of people that at that time don't necessarily deserve him being a part of their lives. But he's doing it for that reason. He's entering their lives to say, I'm changing the conversation. I'm shifting the narrative. I want to show you all that you thought it was always going to be judgment, fire, brimstone, anger. But actually, I've had this plan from the beginning to take on your punishment because I love you. I want you to be with me, right? And not be with me in heaven, but be with me in everything that I'm doing on the day-to-day right now on earth before I even come back. And to also be with me when there's a new heaven and new earth. I think God is trying to show us that he chose this because he delights in it. He cares about it. And we should be entering conversations with people the same way because we care about them, because we like them, we love them, uh, we delight in them. And even when things are tough, we have to pull it out of ourselves, like with the Holy Spirit, with the word that we have hidden in our heart, hopefully, and just come out kind. And it's really hard. If you know me, you know that I try really hard all of the time, but sometimes the bushwick comes out of me, and it's hard. And I have to remind myself the bushwick is not my identity. Growing up in the ghetto is not my identity. Growing up with gangs and friends that were affiliated that argued and fought is not my identity. But instead, Christ, Jesus Christ, is the person from which I am now getting my new identity. So I have to act like him way before I act like me. That has been an absolute struggle for me for the past 10 years since I've become a Christian, defining and redefining my identity in Christ. And I've always found that the toughest years of my life has always been when I am not in my word. Because if I'm not in my word, I'm not listening to his voice. I don't know his guidance. And I'm just using the the physical aspect of the kindness that's already been instilled in me. It's not 100% biblically based and it's not really Christ-based. It's more so me being polite and mindful of people. But I think a real work actually comes from the fact that you may have to be put in very difficult and uncomfortable situations when you are trying to talk about the gospel to someone who absolutely disagrees with you, someone who is an atheist or someone who just believes that there's absolutely nothing that happens after you die. There's a great deal of work in that. Yeah, and you know what? I think that you prepare for that work with some work behind the scenes. Uh, If you've never heard this word, I'm going to explain it to you. But the word I'm about to use is the word discipleship. And basically, discipleship means let's be friends and read the Bible together so that we can get this thing right. Right? We want to read together. We want to live a healthy life, have some healthy theology. And it can kind of be hard to do that 
on my own. In the first episode of this podcast, I talk about you not reading the Bible in a vacuum because you need other perspectives. You need to be able to read books by people who have been Christians for a while, who've been studying for a while to try to really understand what the authors meant when they were writing out the Bible because they didn't write it so that it could become a Bible. They were writing letters to each other. They were talking to each other, passing down history. But I don't think that they ever thought that the whole world would be reading this book or arguing about this book so much. It's like if everyone took all your text messages and said, here, we're going to share this with the world and we're going to live by this now. And that can be kind of scary if you don't know the context of the conversations. You can't do that alone. You need discipleship. And again, that just means getting together with someone, a leader, a friend. They can be a peer. They can be over you, whatever the case may be. Getting together, reading the Bible, understanding what it means to believe in Jesus, understanding what it means to now take that belief in Jesus and put it into your actions and doing that with another person. So you have someone to have your back. You have someone to keep you accountable and make sure that you're actually doing these things. Because if we're honest, it's like talking about the gym. You know, we mentioned the three times we went this week, but you know you went once, right? And you got to be more honest with people and you need an accountability partner to be doing that with you. And I love that because me and Wes work together. And so often when we're on the trains, we try to do that with one another. We try to disciple each other, talking about our marriages and how we give that to Christ, talking about the Bible, doing things like this, the podcast. It's actually all active ways to be discipled with another person. Thank you for that. And what you are saying really reminds me that it is a constant work. Just in the same way that God's grace and his mercy is constant within us, the work that we portray and the life that we live is going to be constant and we never know who's watching us people are very sensitive to our reactions and to our responses and we have an obligation to be christ-like and it's not a matter it's not in the sense that he needs us to save us but i love the fact that he does use us as vessels absolutely and and as tools yeah I love this. Aaron McManus once said this as a pastor at Mosaic Church in Los Angeles. He said, uh, we're not here to fight the world, um, but we're here with God to save the world. And I think that what he means by that is obviously none of us can save another person like you just said, right? Like we can't bring salvation. We can't force that on a life. But what we can do is we can be a part of helping God by being vessels like you just said, right? So the way that we live is a way through which God will work in saving a person's life. The way that we work alongside God is oftentimes uh, the work that he's constantly doing in the world. The work that he's doing is us. It's us and it is in us. And I think that's pretty amazing because you see what God does in your life. Um, You see what it looks like when you start to read the Bible, understand the Bible, really study the word, develop a healthy theology, then live that out be discipled by someone, disciple another person, when this becomes a part of your life, you start to see just how much you really help people around you unintentionally. For instance, me and Wes work with a guy at a job who just happens to be an atheist. Now, you would probably automatically assume, oh, this is probably annoying. Um, You guys probably don't get along well. Oh, man, you're really going to evangelize to him and change his life. If I'm honest, no, that's not our goal. (laughs) Uh, he's just our friend and he's cool we don't believe in the same things but we're able to have a respectful conversation right 
Yeah, absolutely. And this is a young man that I absolutely admire. I love being around him. He's extremely talented and very sensitive and very smart. And he has a wonderful mind. And it's a it's a mind that I know for a fact, and it's a heart that I know for a fact that God will ultimately use in his time. And it's not for us to say when that happens. And our responsibility is to live the life that we live so that we are an example of that. And I, and I feel like we're doing our best to do that. Absolutely. I love our conversations with him, actually, because recently we talked about God um, and he got super political about it. I loved it because he was just like, yeah, like people like to say um, that Jesus is white and he's like this blue eyed blonde dude. And he's not, you know, he's from the Middle East. And I'm looking at him like, yeah, you're right. He is from the Middle East. It's funny because he doesn't believe in God, but historically we know that Jesus did exist. Even if you're an atheist, you know that. And whether he believes Jesus is God, he still knows that there's some issues with the way that we portray Jesus. And there's some issues with the way uh, we handle learning about scripture. And even our friend who's an atheist was able to have that kind of conversation with us and respectfully disagree in God's existence, but align with us on the fact that, man, Christians really got to start to learn a little bit more of what they believe and kind of connect with that. I admired that because he entered a conversation about God respecting our dignity and honestly it made it even easier to respect his. That was a wonderful conversation that we had with him and hopefully continue to have with him also the real work in my opinion comes with someone who won't show you any dignity and someone who will challenge you and someone who will call you out in those moments this is when you're like okay you know what this is a great example of me being a christian yeah of me not trying to bible thump him and me genuinely listening to the person's perspective, and to our point earlier, giving them their dignity, even in, even inside of the disagreement, being able to, as, as much as possible, see them eye to eye. Because people's language and their influence stems from something, and we're going to try to get to the root of it and understand each other on a human level. They may have certain you know, preconceived notions on church and Jesus and congregations because of past experiences, because of experiences that they might have had with their family or with church leaders. And that's all understandable. And we have to take that into account as well. We can't, to our point, make someone's opinion and life story invalidated. Yeah. We have to take it into account. Absolutely. Because God did that for us. Mm-hmm. And he continues to do that for us. Yeah, I think what's really cool about what you just said is that you don't get anything out of like having a conversation with someone who's already predetermined to disagree with you. You really don't. Um, and I think that that's kind of some of the groundwork that God wants to do in our hearts a lot of the time um, because he wants to show us that man, people ain't always going to agree with you. You know, sharing the gospel with them may not always work. And you need to be okay with the fact that um, you shared it with them and just move on and do it again. And it's kind of it's kind of hard because you want to see an immediate result and you don't always see anything. And sometimes the result is negative. Yes. Uh, but we still expect it to maintain kindness, love, 
and live our life. And I think that we can get wrapped up in, like, getting everybody saved, you know, like, as if we're, like, some superhero. Like, you're not Spider-Man. You don't need to follow the cops. You don't need to chase everyone around. You know, imagine Christians like Superman standing on top of a building just hearing in the ears, I don't believe in God. I'm here to save that. Change your opinion. And it's just like, no, I think actually uh, God kind of wants us to be, like, a random person in the middle of all these superheroes and just walking around saying, man, it's kind of crazy that, like, you don't believe. And that I do believe, like, why do you think me and you are so different? And then, like, just enjoying the differences, enjoying that part of life. And I think that this will ultimately get us full circle to the idea that being a Christian comes with balance. Um, Being a Christian means um, to just respect people, respect yourself and what you believe in God, and to just work that out every day. There's no cookie-cutter answer I think you've been Christian much longer than me, and I haven't been a Christian a long time. And just thinking about that, I know that I haven't always done it well. I know that I've turned some people off, and it's why I take it seriously to read my word and to try better, because I I don't want to be the reason that someone says, man, I thought God was someone else, but I didn't realize that God loved me like this. I didn't realize that there's truth in what you said, because that dude I had spoke to kind of really just made me feel terrible. And I didn't realize that there was all this other stuff to God besides just, like, the anger and the fire and brimstone. Like, ah, oh, you're going to go to hell. Like, it's just kind of silly that we do that. Thank you for saying that. And I think that for many people, God is one thing because they've <laughs> built him up to be that specific thing. And what people don't realize is that God is so much more. And he can surprise you. And even for someone who's been a Christian for 30, 40, 50, 60 some odd years, he can still transform you and he can still teach you something brand new. It's always a constant thing to be learning and to be digging deeper. I mean, our minds are so incredibly finite, you know, and there's always something new to discover. And I think part of that discovery is understanding that we are human. The people that we interact with are also human and they have their own limitations and things that they exceed by as well. And we need to be very mindful of that because we have our own things that we're dealing with. Yeah. And I think an important thing to say connected to what you just said is that God is holy. Right. And people hear that sometimes and they kind of get nervous because they think that means holier than thou, meaning I'm better than you. I mean, God is much, much better than us. And that's just the truth. Facts. Right. But it's it's not like a prideful better than us. It's just like you just said, it's a fact. Right. And he doesn't like, you know, um, pun intended, lord it over us. God being holy just means that He's unique, and he's the only being capable of doing what he's done and to have the continual capability to do so, right? And what did he do? Created everything, the universe, the stars, um, us, our psyches, our souls, our minds, our eyes, you know, like our eyelashes, each single hair on our body is counted by him. And we have to remember that it's not our job to force it. Like the God that was able to create all of this, I think that he's got it. Right. I think that he not once lost track of his idea, but that he's got everything under control pretty well. And he's letting us be a part of it. And it's an amazing thing. It really is. But that also means that, like, he's doing a lot of the work. And so we do what's important for us to do, which is 
Study the word, read our Bible, develop healthy theologies, develop healthy relationships, disciple people, respect people and their dignity. But we remember we don't have to force it. We do our best every day. We bring our best to God. We bring our best to the people around us, to our family, our coworkers, all of that. But we remember that at the end of the day, we may have failed a few times. We may have not done well enough in our opinion. We may be a little hard on ourselves. But it's okay because we don't have to force it. We don't have to force God. We don't have to force salvation. The Christian life, being a Christian, is so much about balance. So there's one last thing I do want to mention about balance. We try to often take things into our own hands. We try to convert people. We try to do all of these amazing things to prove to God that, hey, listen, I was able to, you know, I spoke to John and I made John a Christian. I did it for you, God. And I think that's the wrong approach. And as we mentioned before, we need to be able to to show love and to show kindness. That is one of the ways that we can truly be alike. And you know why I love that? I love that because sometimes we'll come, we'll go on our phone, we'll go listen to the Chillology podcast. And what we'll do is we'll say, man, Ayo said some stuff. Wes said some stuff. And man, I, I really got to get better at this because I really want to show God that I'm trying. I want to honor God so badly. And and listen, I love that. I respect that. I honor that. It's a beautiful heart to have. But what you never want to do is get to a place where that becomes your whole reason for everything. We need to just do it because it's what we should do. Because God doesn't want us trying to earn his love. It's been given to us. It's done. He wants us to just take care of people because that's how he is. And he wants us to be like him. And he wants us to love people the way that he's loved us. And, and that's really it. That's what I mean by don't force it. We just do these things because we should. Not because we have to. Not because there's no other choice. Not because we're obligated, but because we should. And that's really it. So in summary, here's what we learned. One, being a Christian means representing Christ well with your life. Balancing our commitment to honoring our beliefs with also respecting and loving people who think differently. Two, Being a Christian means being a part of God's redemptive work in the world now, not a mad rush to heaven, but instead a patient work here on earth. Three, being a Christian means actively being a part of discipleship. We should be living and growing together as much as we can. Four, being a Christian is an act of God, one he uses to bring about redemption and salvation. Five, being a Christian is us being like God, not trying to impress or earn God's love. We don't have to force our beliefs on anyone for his sake. We just live how he has asked us to live. Now, if you have any questions or want any resources to start learning from, please feel free to DM at HeyOIO on Instagram. The spelling should be in the podcast description. As always, it's a pleasure. And if you find this helps you, please share it with your friends and family. Once again, I hope this helps you and I'm very grateful for your time.